0: I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. If I gave a theme to today's discussion on Purpose 360 with Carolyn Berkowitz, President and CEO at the ACCP, the Association of Corporate Citizenship Professionals. I would just say insight, insight, insight. Carolyn is going to share with us so many of the insights that they provide to members. And their members over 245 companies, over 2,000 professionals, and these insights are something that any professional starting out in your career, middle of your career, or in the C-suite can activate your current work. It's a great conversation. So join me. Let's get started.
1: So welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for that very generous introduction, but I look up to you for sure.
0: Oh, you're you're kind, but you know, I just have to give our listeners a little bit of your background. Yes, yeah, you have a great background. Um, you were at CAP1 um, for many years, I think 11 years or so. You worked on the and uh, you're president of the foundation. Um, You work in public affairs, corporate citizenship. You've also worked on the nonprofit side to advance the practice. And you were at one of my faves, points of light. And so today we're going to get into how things are advancing, insights, the role of ACCP. So let's just start there. You just have brought so much to your leadership. Who is ACCP? What's your purpose? What's your vision? What's your mission?
1: ACCP advances the effectiveness of corporate social impact professionals. The way we do it is by sharing knowledge, by fostering solutions, practical solutions, um, and by cultivating inclusive and generous peer communities. I I, I love that you use the word generous
0: and sharing. Uh, And so Because the work we all do is so important, yet challenging, and we'll get into some of your predictions for 2023, talk about fostering this community with generosity.
1: How do you do it? First of all, it is a small community Compared to the larger corporate community, so there aren 't that many of us out there that do this work day in and day out, do it really well, et cetera and so there's there is not as much learning about the field as say you know a lawyer or an analyst in in any company. there really needs to be that peer sharing for the learning that can be applied to your own company and your own circumstances. To take hold, um, and so it's also a safe space, and we've really worked hard on that safe space so that our members trust us and trust each other um, to build relationships that will matter. And what we find is they've built relationships that last a career uh, by being engaged with us. For our
0: listeners, you know, if they're listening, well, we're not a member, but but you know, I want to consider this. Entice them to join. Let's do that right now
1: we have all kinds of things for members and for non-members, frankly, but with membership, there's access to each of those communities and the communities are, you know, you can slice and dice them any way you want. So there's a foundation community or a technology community or or an executive network. So, or a, you know, pharma community, like, you, you know, you can you can get at it any way you want and and be part of, you know, as many as you want. So you have that intimacy of, of those small gatherings. You have um, access to our team. And our team has, you know, some 30, more than 30 years of experience in this business and have worked in, you know, five or six different companies that we bring to the table. And one of the things that I think is is really different and, and um, welcomed is that we have individual you know, coaching research um almost consulting for every member, and so you can call and we can give you answers and we and we do the research for you
0: and I want to uh call out to our listeners that you were so gracious to have me as a keynote um this past year
1: and access to people like you, access to experts and to you know folks that are from different disciplines that motivate um where we can learn from um other disciplines who are who are engaged in this kind of work and we do it with the with the bent of practicality i love that i love the bent
0: of practicality so let's get into some practical issues so you use and the whole field uses different terms you talk a lot about csr and esg um you know in terms of uh, product, services, knowledge groups, et cetera. Can you just give a little bit of um, definition of the two um, and, and in terms of how ACCP views them?
1: First of all, I think that folks use purpose and ESG and CSR or variations of them. Sometimes they use them interchangeably and they're not interchangeable things, although they could be considered subsets of one another or, you know, related. ESG is is much more around um, how you do your work in terms of the environment, in terms of um, the social connection and society, and in terms of governance. So it's it's about both doing good, but more importantly, not doing harm it's rigorous in a different sort of a way and and more encompassing of the found of everything that everybody in the company in essence works on. And CSR or corporate social impact is about the work in community and with stakeholders that improve their circumstances. I like CSR because I think it is encompassing. It might not be understood as encompassing, but I can think of no better way to say it than corporate social responsibility.
0: ESG, I heard it the other day um, from someone, value creation. How do you create value in the environment, society, as well as your governance is really what you are well governed. And I love corporate social impact because it's truly, it's going deeper and it's, it's having your impact. But I want to say to our listeners, what you should do because the person you're talking with is coming into the conversation with a lot on background or not or whatever, finance or legal or other ways. Get aligned on the objectives of what you're trying to accomplish. What are your objectives? Who are your target audiences, especially via priority? And then, you know, make sure the other person and you are in alignment because, you know, the acronym. I think the names
1: themselves, um, there's a dangerous pattern with names. So you see headlines like the death of CSR, don't do CSR. And it's, it's actually dangerous because what they mean is, you know, do the work more strategically or do the work in a way that's more aligned with the business. They don't mean, you know, kill it. And so what I think is, that the danger is that we lose ground because uneducated executives and CEOs sort of read it very literally, or it causes confusion and lack of alignment and, and lack of external support. And to me, it's just sort of attention-grabbing media tactics. I want to shine a spotlight from where you sit,
0: because you see so much great work. Who is doing it really well?
1: There are a lot of companies that are doing it well. There are a lot of companies that are doing something extraordinarily well and maybe are you know sort of middle of the pack on anything else. Two companies that I think are doing a remarkable job across the board are Walmart and Gilead Sciences. Actually, Walmart's work is groundbreaking, and it sort of became groundbreaking in response to real criticism about the company and its wages, et cetera. You know, they've addressed those problems and they've gone much deeper. Walmart is well-focused. They cover great dimensions of CSR and a- and a- ESG. Um, they're well-resourced. They've developed a Center for Racial Equity that I think is one of the most in- innovative approaches I've ever seen because they deal with issues like criminal justice, both internally and externally, both in their hiring practices And in their, you know, in in their external community partnerships, they are always business aligned. They use their assets. So they're a leader, for example, in, um, disaster. They're in every single community and, you know, with all kinds of supplies. And it's from top to bottom, you know, the CEO leads and talks about their commitment to racial equity all the time. Um, so I just think they're extraordinary and they also have one of the most diverse csr teams in the that I've ever seen. And for our listeners,
0: when we you know we've done 30 pieces of research over the years and Walmart came up in like the early 90s as the most well known because they were advertising some of their social impact. But at the same time because they re- did not respond to union criticism, they were the most hated company in the country. Exactly. But they made their strategic shift Following Katrina, when they were had all their trucks lined up um, to, you know front to back, et cetera, and Lee Scott, who was the CEO, said they got fabulous exposure of great publicity, big pictures in the New York Times, and he said, "I want to be like that every day and that was the shift
1: Gilead um, their purpose is to create a, a healthier world, and they 're the largest manufacturer of HIV and hepatitis um, Medications, which leads to really interesting and brave work that they do. They happened to win our um, purpose award last year for team um, because they were innovative and inclusive, because um, they collaborated externally and internally, you know, in really important ways. They really focus on LGBT issues and on supporting the trans culture, which Many organizations do in their HR world, but they don't necessarily speak up and develop partnerships outside the, the company on that. They are brave. They had a, an issue recently where there was a rap artist who was bashing the gay community in lyrics, and they reached out and called him up and said, may we educate you? And they did so, and he is now one of the strongest and most outspoken artists. So there is that sort of bravery. They weave their social and environmental work literally into into everything they do. They have this alignment with all dimensions. So the foundation partners with the chief medical officer and the universities, and, and so it's this cycle where – The business reinforces their working community and their working community reinforces the business.
0: Do you know um, how much leadership their CEO provides?
1: Their CEO is extremely supportive. Their CEO is also brave and their CEO really demands that they align with their customer and who their customer is, is very often... Either someone from the LGBTQ community, or even folks that are in the prostitution industry, or other sort of, you know, I mean, but I,
0: I want to make a comment about that because, and and I want to make a quote about bravery because this is amazing. It's from Richard Branson: "The brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not live at all." Exactly, and that's Richard Branson, and I love that quote because you know, yes, they have products for HIV, but they're being very realistic and authentic about that community and leaning into it. And I think that's a great, that's a great message and learning for anyone listening to this about, you know, where do we play? Where do we invest if you're still grappling with that? And look at your core products, services, competencies, and don't be afraid to lean heavily into that. So that's wonderful. I want to talk a little bit about um, a fail or ch- or big challenges. Maybe you can talk a little bit, Carolyn, about a few of the predictions that are blinking lights. Caution, caution. You know, we're going into a turbulent economy. But how do we keep up great work and not fail?
1: I sort of think of failure in three big categories. One is under-resourcing and no that's not a failure of the practitioner generally but you, you can't do much with that i think scope creep not staying focused and not um connecting very specifically to the business and to the to the key stakeholders in ways that are differentiating is a fail i mean i love that you talked
0: about scope creep because we have a wonderful line and i give it to all our listeners focus is your friend And consistency, if you decide to go down, if you're going to lean into HIV in that community, stick with it. So
1: last year, we had an uptick in headcount. It wasn't huge, but we had an uptick in headcount and um, budgets were predicted to be flat. This year, technology is probably um, the loudest, but I'm starting to hear about the um, financial community as well. And budgets are flat or they are more limited because more more budget is going to ESG measurement. And so they're having to do this this additional task without additional dollars. Um, so, you know, that's what our members said last year and what I'm already seeing for this year. It, it's a bit of a slog. One thing that our members said is they expect the first half of the year to be difficult.
0: Okay, so I want you to give two suggestions. What are your suggestions to your members about how to deal with at least the first half of 2023?
1: So number one, ruthlessly focus. Ruthlessly focus. Mm, Ruthlessly focus. Don't do everything. Think about fewer partners with larger Amounts of dollars each, or, you know, the things that matter most. Cut one of the ways volunteers engaged in, in favor of something of, of doing more and better on, on what, um, what they most respond to. That would be number one. Number two would be be honest and transparent. I had one, uh, member, actually a board member who went to her leadership. In, at the end of last year, and said, Look, this is what we'll cut, you know, volunteerism or, you know, this, this, or this. But I think, and she didn't do it with any emotion in her voice. And it was very practical, but it was also very clear we can't achieve what you expect. So stop being a hero and stop thinking that the kudos come from doing more with less, more with less, more with less, less with less.
0: Excellent, and without the emotion, you know, here are the facts. So, I want to talk a little bit about some other challenges because, as you know, and, and as I discussed in my uh, keynote for you, um, that we pr- we produced our thirty first piece of research last year called "Purpose Under Pressure." Absolutely, and it was a post COVID investigation with both employees and employers, and net, you know, the net takeaway: employees want more meaning, they want more belonging, but but they also sit. C-suite gets it, HR gets it, but we found a huge gap with strategy and with marketing and with sales. Do you have any recommendations on how do we get to the strategy marketing and sales folks and bring them under the tent?
1: Yeah, I was most surprised by this the lack of support from strategy mm, really? from that yeah. study. Yeah. I, I, and, and it, it was the, it hit the hardest because if the strategy folks don't buy in, then what? It's not going to happen. It's going to, it's not going to happen. What I think in this economy is that we need to be prepared to take a little bit of a hit. Um. In KPMG's recent research, Fifty-nine percent of of um, companies said they plan to pause or reconsider their ESG work, and at, in the same thing, seventy percent of those same people acknowledged that ESG improves financial performance up thirty-seven percent from the year before when they asked that same question. So they're mixed up. It
0: depends how much they're putting into operations because there's a lot of places for savings. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think the, I think data and stories is really, really important. And that is a moniker for me that um, somebody taught me at the very beginning of my career. And I always, always say it to myself. You need to have data and you need to have data that matters to the person you're talking to, whether it's the strategy person or the marketing person or the finance person. It's got to be in their language and it's got to make a difference. It's got to be hardcore numbers. Then you have to also be able to tell the story, the story of how what this is doing supports talent management or supports, you know, a a person, an example, even the stories need to come from your own world and from theirs. Look, there are going to be cuts and we, you know, there's often nothing that we can do about it, but I think there are also ways to engage people and to show them where it's made a difference. A difference for them.
0: I want to talk about the big challenge in the room. I have gone to so many different types of groups, conferences, and such that say,
1: How do we measure the S? So, first of all, I think the S needs to be better defined. Um, And right now it is defined by the data that folks have, which is diversity numbers and human rights and human rights commitments. It says very little about community change, about um, s- stakeholder improvement, if you will, and I think the best way that I can think of to make this change is to connect with the materiality issues that are most frequent and, in, and then name them as, as the S measures. Part of it is that we, don't, we can't monetize the S. We also need to research, you know, how much less government spend there is when this happens or how much more opportunity we create or how many new jobs we create and, you know, and how we prepare people for them. Or, you know, I think being able to monetize it will help an, an awful lot. But the S issues, whatever they are, are, are more important to stakeholders than almost any other.
0: Yeah, and I I, I can give a real specific there because there's one great program that Timberland ran, which is at um a that run by Atlanta McElreath, who I adore, and basically they brought cotton farming back to Haiti from nothing, and they empowered smallholder farmers. They work with the government, they taught them how to create cotton, and then Timberland bought the cotton and put it into its products.
1: You know the results of things like that are, you know, really do matter. And it's, you know, we've got to get very serious about not just how many, you know, things we did, how many people were trained, what they were trained to do and what difference that is making or can make. Like we've got to extend the story. Yeah. I love
0: your opinion on, we always work with our clients on employee turnover metrics. Because if indeed the purpose is being embedded and it's in DE&I and it's in innovation and it's in the career advancement, um, yeah. that there should be less turnover. And, you know, also you should do the qual on the exit interviews and such. And so we say really dive deep into what does it cost to replace an employee? What sort of client or customer relationships will you lose? Do you discuss that um, in your communities and such within ACCP?
1: We we do we do and there's new research from Benevity that says and you know I might get a, a slightly off but basically it says for a certain group of employees employees that have been engaged in the CSR work or volunteering for three years um, but are not you know twenty year employees being engaged with the work in community makes that group of people 50% more likely to stay. 50% more likely to stay. That's huge. Yes, it is huge. And I have to say, even though
0: we've got layoffs and such, that the war for talent is still there. It's never going to go away. And you also want to bring the full amount of a person's potential to their work.
1: And if they're not including a question about community in their all-associate survey, They're missing the largest and most important source of information to make the case to their own leadership. So they've got to ask a question about it, and then they've got to cross-tab that question with all of the engagement levers.
0: And I would hope anybody listening, because we always have to beg to get one question on the employee survey. And yeah. I think that we need more of that because it, it's the human factor that we truly must gauge, measure and enhance. So, so thank yeah. you for that. One of the issues that you are very, very um, forceful on in a good way is DE&I and yeah. racial justice. And, and I'd love you to talk about what you're doing. And then how do you diversify the field? Because it's not
1: easy. Uh, no, it is not easy. We did a study. Um, that we started working on it in 2021. We published it um, mid-year last year. And the study was on advancing equity in the CSR profession. So we learned that, um, you know, the prototypical company has a CSR um, department that is 75% white, and in some cases, 100% white, um, led by a white woman, I, you know, led led by a white woman, and whose employees do not think um, that they can advance, especially the employees of color. And so, you know, we have a problem. So the two things that we found in there was not just the composition of the team, um, but how different the, the experiences were between people of color working in the profession and um, white people in, in the profession. And so limited opportunities to advance, limited opportunities to break in, distrust of the sustainability of overall DEI efforts. And so if we are going to be a profession that thrives, the community is ultimately the audience that we serve. And so we need to be far more representative of the community to do the kind of work that will actually change equity outcomes. One of the things that we, we are doing about it right now, we are, um, we are working to gather information. We are having focus groups with um, leaders and professionals of color. We are understanding their trajectory and what they think the root causes of some of this are. And with the intent to design programs and develop partnerships that will lead to um, a different pipeline into the profession. You can actually, you know, work in this dimension. Differentially investing in mid-level BIPOC professionals in CSR and really grooming for leadership so that that on-ramp to leadership is, is moving. And then developing relationships with other organizations Um, universities, et cetera, that will own pieces of it and not so that it is not just an ACCP initiative because a field takes a long time to change. And it also requires the commitment of companies to do the work in understanding what it takes to change and changing it.
0: I want to talk about issues and this whole conundrum out there about woke capitalism. And that, you know, so here we are, we're corporate social impact professionals, per se, or ESG professionals, and we want to really, we want to dig in on a social issue. There is pressure from employees for CEOs to respond to all issues. What advice do you give to your members where they're like oh my god they 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 have to defend themselves you know they're between the employees and HR and the C suite which ones do we a- address
1: in a public way and which ones are no we're not i think the rule of thumb is to take a public stance when it deliberately strengthens the bonds with your customers and employees and it, you know so that it matters to your business one great example of that is New York Life, who takes a very outspoken position on gun control. And that's because um, gun violence is the leading cause of death for kids and teens right now. And they're a life insurance company. So it makes clear sense. It doesn't necessarily, although I have strong feelings about the issue, it doesn't necessarily help a company who is You know, operating in a, in a very pro gun state that has no connection in any way to that industry to do that. You know, it has to matter and you, and you have to sort of choose, um, carefully which ones. There are lots of companies. So, um, one company that I know very well, um, thousands of employees signed a statement about the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Um, And so the employees demanded that the CEO take action. And the CEO's response was to take action with his employees, but not to be outspoken about it in the world. It's a financial services company. Um, You know, it doesn't make much sense for their business to be outspoken about it externally. They stand to lose more than they stand to gain. But a key a key advocacy group is their employees, and so speaking out to employees and and ensuring that employees have access, no matter where they live, is really in, you know one one way um, to do that. So, and and not you, you know they can't just get on the bandwagon because the criticism you know they can't afford it. It's got it. They've got to be able to. Substantively do something about an issue in order to speak publicly about it
0: great so let me let me make a shift to communications with Lord. What are some of the best practices your members are doing in communications, both internally to employees and externally to other constituents
1: in terms of 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 tactics, I think Social media is critically important to get your story out, to use employee voices to get their stories out. I think that's number one. I think internally educating does so much for externally educating. I think you build champions and you you know, you know build voices by having your employees really understand what you're doing. So one thing, it seems so simple, but one thing, that our members just gravitated to on our community is, is one member that does an internal newsletter every month about everything going on in community that goes to all employees. And people are like, give me the template for that. So create a storytelling culture. A storytelling culture and numbers and storytelling culture. Let's talk about the skills. What
0: are the skills? That um, corporate social responsibility, corporate social impact um, colleagues need to develop um, so they are at their uh, greatest level of effectiveness and also that they can advance uh, throughout their organizations.
1: I think that the skills for leaders are around confidence and expertise, but humility. I think for everybody, they need to learn the business of the business first, you need to understand how a company makes its money um, and it's not always as easy as it sounds and and I think that's the only way that you'll be able to connect to the business strategy. It always has to connect to the business strategy every single thing you do um, you need the skills of making those connections, connecting the dots I think. Folks need to have strong EQ, self-awareness, empathy, self-regulation, social awareness. Executives and employees that want to do this work bring all of their complicated selves to the equation every day. And there's a lot of managing of that. And so people need to understand that, that that, you know, really happens. I think being influential, making a clear business case and earning your way into the room you know, really, really matters. Um, And I think speaking the language of both the community and the business, like being bilingual is so important. And then I think finally, the willingness to build in internal partnerships. You're never going to go it alone and, and get where you're going on that internally. You know, partner with HR, partner with government affairs, partner with marketing, bring these folks in, show them what you can do for them. You'll find money and you'll find opportunity and you'll find know-how in all of those pockets. That's excellent advice. So we we unfortunately have to end this
0: conversation, but I wanted to always, I always seed the last words to my guest. So Carolyn Berkowitz, how do you want to end this conversation
1: today? Folks need to always connect to the business and the strategy. No communication should leave that out. They call these things an elevator pitch for a reason because when you're in an elevator with anybody, you ought to be telling them why this work matters. I think the idea of building champions or advocates um, all around the business. There are lots of companies that are that are building ambassador programs, and I think that, and, and educating those folks and having them do some of the le- like work, I think, is really important. Super.
0: I think we tried to take,
1: you know, years of
0: wisdom in all your positions and, you know, your exemplary leadership of ACCP. So um, thank you again so much. Thank you. And thank you to your listeners. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Anne Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us, because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available, so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time. So it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.